Welcome to Caregiver SOS On Air, presented by the WellMed Charitable Foundation with nationally known gerontologist Carol Zernio and veteran broadcaster and attorney Ron Aaron. This program provides health, wellness, and other information for caregivers who are vital to the health and well-being of so many people across our country. Now, here are your hosts, Ron Aaron and Carol Zernio. Thank you so much for joining us today on Caregiver SOS On Air. Delighted to be with you. I'm Ron Aaron, along with our co-host, Carol Zerniel. As many of you know, Carol is the Senior Vice President of Social Responsibility at WellMed Medical Management and Executive Director of the WellMed Charitable Foundation. Carol has a distinguished career career in aging, working with seniors. She's past chair of the Board of Directors for the National Council on the Aging. She's been a member of the Ray's Family Caregiving Advisory Council under the Federal Department of Health and Human Services, she holds a master's degree in social gerontology and nearly 30 years experience in the field of aging and caregiving. Carol is one of Next Avenue's top 50 influencers on aging. And Carol, it's great to have you on board. Well, it's always nice to be with you, Ron. Well, we're going to be joined by Doug Beach, who is the uh, has been the board chair and is now executive director of NAMI uh, here in uh, the San Antonio chapter, National Alliance for Mental Illness. Uh, and, and I know it's an issue that, uh, for many caregivers, can be a real challenge. Well, it is a special issue, and it has unique challenges that um, really can test uh, the caregiving situation as well as the systems we have and don't have in place. And we're going to find out from Doug the kind of help that may be available here and nationwide. Uh, May is National Mental Health Awareness Month, so it is fitting that we have Doug Beach joining us. Doug is an advocate for better mental health. He is currently has been president of the San Antonio chapter of NAMI National Alliance on Mental Illness. He's nationally known as an advocate for mental health services. The National Alliance of Mental Illness is a nationwide grassroots mental health organization. And in Doug's experience over the years, he has had a large, large hands-on experience with the mental health system, having had a son who had been diagnosed with a mental illness. And Doug, it is delightful to have you on board. You spent a lot of time working on a very tough issue. And I know one of the things you want to talk about as well is Pathways to Hope, an annual seminar that you sponsor here in San Antonio. Well, first of all, thank you for having me on. And uh, I think as most people are, are probably aware, uh, mental health has been uh, an issue for a long time. But with the pandemic, all of a sudden, it really uh, uh, became a bigger issue kind of across the country and certainly, you know, in our community. Um, and I'll, I'll talk about Pathways to Hope in just a moment, but it is a conference that we hold every year. It's free. It's in San Antonio, August 25th and 26th at the Tobin Center. But it's where we try to bring people from across the community together to have a conversation about mental health. So we offer resources, but we also <clears throat> provide a platform for people to talk about how do we do a better job of providing mental health support across the community, not just in hospitals and clinics, but in, in uh, congregations, in schools, in uh, social agencies, and where people work. Now, we know across the country, some 8.4 million people <clears throat> are uh, caregivers for an adult with a mental or emotional health issue, according to uh, NAMI, and caregivers of adults with mental or emotional health issues 
spend an average of 32 hours a week providing unpaid care. Uh, NAMI provides uh, support as a nationwide organization. Uh, let, let's begin with the beginning, Doug Beach. If you're a caregiver, uh, what should you look for as a potential mental health issue with your care recipient? Well, first of all, um, NAMI is a, we're a grassroots organization. So people are like me, uh, typically with a family member or they themselves have a mental health diagnosis. And one of the most important functions that we play is uh, providing that support for a person uh, living with a diagnosis. <clears throat> Excuse me. So, for example, if you have a, um, a person in your family, in this case, who's a senior, uh, you know, as you reach that age, uh, seniors often have issues related to depression uh, or, or, and for a lot of different reasons, you know, could be their overall health condition, could be financial, uh, could be a trauma that they've experienced. Uh, and so it means that a person who is a caregiver, another family member, it means that they need to become more educated about what those mental health issues are and recognize the signs and the symptoms of when a mental health issue might be arising. Uh, trying to treat any uh, mental health, any health issue without knowing much about it is is uh, not, not a very good prescription. So we encourage people to, to learn, first of all, about mental health, mental illness, signs and symptoms. And then NAMI teaches a class, for example, called Family to Family. Uh, it's where a family member like myself who has been through uh, the classes and the training teaches other families about how to take care of a family member, how to listen, how to communicate, how to be empathetic, uh, and again, signs and symptoms, and what's a crisis plan, and how do you respond when there's an issue that comes up? Now, we know in well, your Well, Doug, own... I want to, I want to, I'm sorry, Ron. No, go um, ahead, Carol. I just wanted to, fo I wanted to follow <clears throat> up on something really important that Doug said, um, the prevalence of mental health issues in older persons. A lot of caregivers, a lot of people don't understand that depression goes hand in hand with a myriad of other, um, you know, comorbidities, other illnesses. So um, diabetes and depression, Alzheimer's and depression. So there are a lot of chronic illnesses that actually exacerbate depression that's already there. And so for families, the kind of training, Doug, that you're talking about, it can really be an eye opener. They don't even realize um, that this is not, quote, normal? Oh, well, I think that's exactly the point. Uh, and what we encourage people to be observant of is when do you notice changes in the behavior or the personality or the habits of, a, of, of somebody? And some of those, uh, for example, uh, changing sleep patterns, uh, lack of socialization, uh, substance use, more more use of alcohol or drugs, all those can be symptoms of a mental health issue. And you mentioned um, issues that may exacerbate uh, a mental health issue. For example, uh, uh, I had a family member just go through surgery, major surgery. People don't understand that when you have these major events like that, they're very, very stressful. So stress is one of the biggest uh, causes of uh, mental health issues. And as we know, as you, uh, as you get older, uh, sometimes you have more issues to worry about and be concerned about. 
Stay with me just a minute. I'm going to let folks know who just joined us. You're listening to Caregiver SOS on air. I'm Ron Aaron, along with our co-host, Carol Zernow, and we're talking with Doug Beach, Executive Director of NAMI, the National Alliance for Mental Health. And we're talking about especially what caregivers can do, should do, may be able to do uh, to help uh, a care recipient who's struggling with a mental illness. And Doug, we should also keep in mind that uh, talk about stress as a trigger for mental health issues. Caregivers are under enormous stress. Uh, well, you you hit that one on the head. Um, I think anybody that what I recognize is that anybody who's a caregiver who has been providing support for somebody with a mental illness or any other type of illness, they themselves begin to have, suffer some of those same mental health issues um, because of the stresses. So, uh, for example, I think uh, people, oftentimes families that have a mental person with a mental illness, they get traumatized by the behaviors, uh, by the issues that you have to deal with uh, to care for somebody uh, with a mental health issue. So, you know, it's the same old thing. You have to take care of yourself first. And that's one of the best prescriptions. If you're going to be a caregiver, you better make sure you're taking care of yourself. Talk to us a little bit, and you've been open about this, your own uh, situation in which your son uh, was afflicted with a mental illness. When did you become aware of it, and how did it affect you and your family? Yeah, so uh, I think we first noticed it uh, probably right after college, uh, which is very typical. Uh, 50% of mental illness begins by age 14, 75% by age 24. Uh, It often goes undiagnosed. People don't recognize it as a mental illness. And so, uh, again, statistically, people wait 10 to 11 years after their first uh, episode before they typically get uh, professional help. Uh, so how does, it, uh, how does it affect the family? Uh, it, it really pretty much changes everything. And I think what we were fortunate enough uh, to do is we were fortunate enough to find NAMI, National Alliance on Mental Illness. And NAMI had the uh, not only the classes, but the people that go to the classes, the people that you begin to listen to and learn from. And all of a sudden you realize, wow, I'm not the only one. In fact, one out of five people will experience a mental health disorder this year, which means over a lifetime, that's 47 percent of people. That's a big number. It's a huge number. And in our community, uh, if you look at uh, the number, and we, you know, 2.2 million people in Bear County today, uh, about uh, 140,000 of those people have a serious mental illness, which is chronic and requires uh, professional help. That's a huge number. And our systems are just not adequate to provide care for that uh, number of people. Another reason why a caregiver needs to be well-informed because the reality is it's sometimes, many times, it's hard to get care. Well, it is hard to get care. And, you know, especially, you know, we talk about parity. We talk about there should be as much mental health care as physical health care. Are we there yet? Uh, We are definitely not there yet. And NAMI has been one of the leaders in the country in, in, working towards parity, and it's actually parity's on the books. It's a law, uh, but it is not effectively enforced uh, because it uh, comes through primarily the insurance companies 
who authorized payment. Those the insurance industry is regulated on a state by state basis, and uh, we don't have parity. And all you have to do, in fact, psychiatrists are are paid at a rate of about twenty five percent less, twenty twenty five percent less than other physicians, than other medical doctors. Uh, and that's across the board. So we're not compensating mental health professionals at the same rate that we do other healthcare professionals. And what does that do? Well, it, it means that you don't attract, attract as many people into the profession, wow. and it makes, makes it harder for people to get an appointment. Stay with us just a minute. We're going to come right back to you and find out how perhaps NAMI can help people access mental health services across the country. I'm Ron Aaron, along with our co-host, Carol Zorniel. Doug Beach is with us. He is executive director and a former board president for NAMI. You're listening to Caregiver SOS on air. The WellMed Charitable Foundation would like to remind you it is important to stay connected while social distancing. Caregiver stress may be higher now, and specialists are available to talk with. There's no question that we are living in not normal times, but whether the new normal will be the old normal is yet to be seen. So if you are troubled, if you are feeling stressed, ask for help. Services are provided at no cost. See more at caregiversos.org. Hello. We're so pleased you are sticking with us right here on Caregiver SOS On Air. I'm Ron Aaron, along with our co-host, Carol Zernio. We're talking with Doug Beach, Executive Director of NAMI, the National Alliance for Mental Illness, former president of that organization here in San Antonio as part of the nationwide NAMI network. And we're talking about how to get help, where you can find help, and how NAMI perhaps can assist. Doug, for the caregiver who needs help who needs a mental health intervention, how do they get it and what can NAMI do? A couple things. One, we, we operate a well, uh, excuse me, a warm line during normal business hours. And that's a line that, you know, it's not a crisis. It's not a 911 call. Uh, it's a call that you need to make sometimes when you're just not sure what you're dealing with or you need to know where there are resources. And that's our office number uh, here in San Antonio at the NAMI office. So, number one, we have a warm line where people who are knowledgeable about where to get resources answer that call and can help you figure out, is this something that you need to pursue? Secondly, um, I think our classes are a great uh, place to go where when you meet other people, you meet the instructors, you begin to learn about where those resources are in the community. A third opportunity is in San Antonio. We have something called sacred.org. That's S-A-C-R-D, San Antonio Community Resource Directory. It's online. It's bilingual. It's in Spanish and English. And if you you can look up by zip code, in other words, where you live, uh, you can look up by zip code what the resources are for a variety of services, including mental health services. Now, would that work for people who don't live in San Antonio? Uh, Caregiver SOS on air uh, has a national audience. So uh, this is a service that's, that uh, is provided for people in Bear County, but uh, the in in the contiguous counties. So nationally, uh, I would say check with your NAMI affiliate 
and find out. Uh, that's the first call I'd make uh, and talk to them. And they can also help you, direct you to resources. And there are NAMI affiliates all over the country? There are 650 NAMI affiliates throughout the country. And all you have to do is just Google uh, NAMI.org and, it, and look up your state and it will tell you uh, where those affiliates are. Or you can just Google, you know, your community name, NAMI Cincinnati, and, uh, and you'll find the resources there. Now, for the caregiver who's looking for help and they call your NAMI warm line or their local NAMI affiliate, what kind of help can you provide? Well, the, uh, the most important thing we do is we give them the contact information uh, and we, we help them navigate their way. We do not provide clinical services, but we can tell you where you can get clinical services. We're not a food pantry. We're not, uh, uh, we don't provide those kind of services. Ours are primarily support and information. So one of the most important things you can find that you need as a caregiver is if you, if you think you're going to do it alone, it ain't going to work. So one of the things that you need are other people who are going through similar circumstances or who have been through those circumstances. And NAMI operates not only classes, but we operate support groups across the country. Now, we know that uh, statistically white males 65 and over are at higher risk for depression and suicide. Uh, is that something caregivers need to be especially aware of? Uh, definitely. I mean, I think, again, like any other illness, uh, educate yourself. You know, if you have diabetes, if you have heart disease, if you have any other illness, you're going to educate yourself as much as you can, and you're going to talk to your family physician or your primary care doctor. Uh, in the case of mental illness, uh, there's a lot of information today uh, on the Internet that will help educate you as to what that illness, uh, what the signs and the symptoms are. For depression, there's a lot of information there, but it helps you navigate. It helps you understand what's a what's a behavior that's a result of depression and maybe what are other behaviors that, um, you know, you don't need to be as concerned about. Carol, do caregivers know enough about this or, and and uh, how do we educate them? You know, NAMI really is a terrific resource. And the good news is there are resources specifically for caregivers and for caregivers of older adults. NAMI's done a great job in looking at that high risk uh, that we see in older persons, particularly older men. Uh, so I encourage you to go to the website and check out the materials. So, Doug, as you take a look at the kind of issues that you face, uh, what about funding? Is there enough money out there to provide the mental health services that people need? Well, uh, every, one of the things that you can look up if you're out around the country and other states, you can find out how your state scores on providing per capita funding in your state for mental health services. Texas happens to rank uh, 50th uh, out of 51, including District Columbia. So um, is there enough funding? Not by a long shot. Uh, we don't fund mental health care the same way we fund other health care. Uh, and part of it is the parity issue that you talked about, uh, that you brought up earlier. Uh, when we don't um, provide for the same compensation to health care professionals for mental health that we do for other illnesses, guess what? Uh, they, don't, <laughs> they don't spend as much time and devote the same resources. I would say most health institutions, hospitals, et cetera, 
many of them lose money on providing uh, psychiatric care. So, yeah, it's, it's not well-funded. What about the shame well, and Doug, stigma? Let me ask, oh, go ahead, Carol. No, I, I wanted to follow up before, you know, to talk a little bit about, you know, Texas is, is one of the states that has, is, has high gun use. There are a lot of states that are now saying we're going to balance out gun violence because it's committed by people with mental illness by supporting mental health programs. How would you respond to them? Well, number one, um, the uh, people who have a mental illness are typically no more prone to violence than the average person. Uh, there are some ex- there are some uh, uh, definite exceptions to that, and I would say the one that comes to mind most is untreated uh, serious psychosis. So again, people who have a serious mental illness who have been untreated. Uh, and who have been allowed to just deteriorate. So that is uh, a segment of the population with mental illness that we do need to be concerned about. Uh, those are the most ill of the most ill in their and uh, extreme psychosis. Uh, treating, trying to treat gun violence by uh, treating mental health is, is not a very good expenditure of money. Uh, we would be much better off by treating uh, mental health in general. But as far as guns and gun violence, I, I don't really think you want to associate the two. Um, I think one of the statistics I've seen is that when there are more guns available, people who might be a harm to themselves uh, are more at risk. So it's not necessarily a harm to other people but it may be a harm to the person with the illness. And depression is a good example. I think statistically, again, probably 90% of the uh, death by suicide uh, is due to serious uh, depression. But Doug, Well, and I think that's the, that's the point, right, is that um, a lot of people with mental illness are victims of crime. They're not always the perpetrator. And we see suicide. So when you see gun violence, it usually is suicide rates among people with depression or who's suicidal. And so that that broad brush we sometimes see in the media is a disservice to people with mental illness and does not necessarily help us with the system we're trying to build. Couldn't agree more. But often it's the knee-jerk response after a mass shooting of some kind uh, that, well, it's a mental health issue. Automatic knee-jerk response. Well, I think that, you know, partly we're, we're sort of victims of uh, when there is a shooting, uh, it's kind of like, well, we got to do something, you know, so let's uh, let's turn to mental health. And so I think it's a canard uh, in many respects. It's a false issue. It's a false uh, way to think about this. Uh, so we're better off not necessarily tying the two together. That may be heresy for a lot of people. Uh, and again, I, there are uh, very specific exceptions uh, to this issue of gun violence and mental illness, but it's it's uh, a very small number of people who are severely psychotic. Got about a minute left, Doug, and before we let you go, uh, come back to your own situation. You mentioned uh, when you realized your son was suffering uh, from mental illness, it totally changed your family's life. What does that mean? Well, I think just like if you have any member in your family who is suffering in some way, you know, whether it's uh, cancer or anything else, uh, it changes your uh, level of concern and compassion. And it's a big it's a big stressor. 
So I think that you become pretty focused on, well, how do I, um, how do I help my family member? And how do I help them get to recovery? So the, you know, the, the, uh, the long story or the, the long side of this is that our son is doing very well today. And the people typically, you know, 80 to 90% of the time, uh, if they have a mental illness and they get help and they have support systems and they do the other things they need to do, diet, exercise, socialization, they get better. And there, there are, is a good life and a good livelihood available to many, many, many people with mental health issues. Uh, and we see that in our society. We see the number of, uh, uh, you know, people who have come out in public, uh, athletes, uh, performers. Um, they've learned how to manage uh, their mental illness or their mental health issue. That's the message that we want everybody to have is that recovery resiliency is possible. Uh, but it takes a supportive family and a supportive community. Got to stop you right there. It's a perfect way to end this. I really appreciate you coming on board, Doug Beach. NAMI.org would be a place to go for information. Doug Beach, thank you. For Carol Zerniel, I'm Ron Aaron. We'll talk with you soon right here on Caregiver SOS On Air. Executive producers for Caregiver SOS On Air are Carol Zerniel and Ron Aaron. Our associate producer is Christy Romero. I'm Ron Aaron. We'll see you next week on Caregiver SOS On Air. You've been listening to Caregiver SOS On Air, an exclusive presentation of the WellMed Charitable Foundation. We welcome emails with suggestions and comments on this program at radio at wellmed.net. Join co-hosts Carol Zerniel and Ron Aaron next week for more on caregiving, improving the health and well-being of caregivers and their care recipients everywhere. For more on caregiving and podcasts of our programs, visit caregiversos.org. Let's see, you've uh, applied for our open position for account representative? Yeah, that's the one. Great. I see you went to UC Berkeley? It was really awesome. We had several sit-ins to protest oppressive capitalism. Oh, and uh, how about your skills for this position? Oh, yes. I know all about how to spot microaggressions and root out privilege. Uh, we don't really do that here. We do accounting and finance consulting. Do you have any safe spaces? Safe spaces? Yes, where people can go to get away from the colonialist mentality. As long as there's a diversity, equity, and inclusion policy, we'll be fine. (sighs) Life's too short to waste your time on bad hires. I'm Andrew Krapischetz, the CEO and founder of RedBalloon.Work. Every week, tens of thousands of reliable, career-minded job seekers visit RedBalloon.Work Without all that woke nonsense, post your open jobs at redballoon.work. And if you put in promo code SALEM, you'll receive 10% off your first month's job postings.